In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In the church here, everything centers around Christmas and Easter. Advent and Epiphany are tied to Christmas, Lent and Pentecost to Easter. So here we are today, considering an event eight days after Jesus' birth, observed on January 1st each year. In fact, today's gospel text follows immediately the description of the shepherds praising God for all they had heard and seen when they went to the manger. Today's gospel is the fulfillment of Gabriel's promise that the child would be named Jesus. The name Jesus, Jesus, Yashuv, simply means God saves or Yahweh saves. This child, in ways beyond anyone else, fulfills his own name. For the ancient Hebrews, a son would be named not on the day he was born, but on the day of his circumcision that came eight days after birth. What this tells us is that Jesus' circumcision and his name are bound up together. Now, certainly they are bound up together because they happen at the same time. But we also have the fact that circumcision was necessary. In Genesis 17, God commanded circumcision as a sign of his covenant with his people. For the Hebrews, a covenant isn't something made or signed or enacted. It's cut. It involves blood. So God said to Abraham, This is my covenant between me and you and all your descendants. Every male child shall be circumcised. It shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. Every male child at eight days old will be circumcised. And the uncircumcised male child, that person shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. So it seems pretty straightforward. If you are going to be God's son, you are to be circumcised. If you will be part of the community, you will abide by the covenant. So for the people of Israel, circumcision was the indication of who was in and who was out. The physical removing of flesh with pain and blood forever marked you as one of God's people. Other nations don't circumcise. God was marking his people as the ones through whom the promised seed would come. Now, suffice it to say that circumcision separated Abraham and his descendants, set them apart from all the other nations as God's chosen people. So knowing this, it makes sense that Jesus would also be circumcised. After all, he's a descendant of Abraham. And Matthew and Luke take pains to show that Jesus is a son of Abraham. But consider this. St. Paul writes in Galatians 5 that every man who is circumcised is obligated to keep the whole law. Circumcision places one under the entire law, binding him to keep it 
or die. So when a Jewish boy was circumcised, he had a physical reminder that he was a sinner in need of God's mercy because he couldn't keep the law. But then Jesus is born and he is sinless. He's God himself. He has no need for circumcision for himself. But he is circumcised because that placed him under the law. So by circumcision, Jesus is bound to keep the law or die. Jesus shed blood on the eighth day, puts him under the law's demand. And yet throughout his entire life, he keeps every bit of God's law. He remains sinless. And so by circumcision, Jesus submits himself to the law. As God, he cannot be under the law since the law is simply God's will. It's God's desire about what will be. And so only men are under the law. But by becoming man, God and man forever united in one person, Jesus can put himself under the law. He can be circumcised. Now Jesus, the God who saves, has put himself under the law. Now God in the person of Jesus is obligated to keep it entirely. And he does. In a couple of weeks, we'll hear about Jesus' baptism, how the sinless Son of God comes to bear the world's sin. Having no sin of his own, he takes the sin of the world upon himself as his own and dies. The blood of bulls and goats cannot take away sins. Nor can the blood of a mere man atone for the sin of another. But because Jesus is God, his shed blood is of infinite worth. By Jesus' death on the cross, he has released the world from the curse of the law. St. Paul tells us in Ephesians 1 that Christ is the head and the church is his body. And what happens to the head happens to the body. So what Jesus has done is done for the benefit of the entire church. Jesus put himself under the law in his circumcision, and he became your substitute in his baptism. Now neither the law's demand for circumcision nor the curse that law brings are placed on you. You are buried with your Lord Jesus in baptism and raised with him through faith. Now circumcision or uncircumcision in the flesh counts for nothing. What matters is that by holy baptism, you are a new creation. And all because Jesus fulfills his own name. Jesus is the God who saves. Now the word saves is sort of a curious one. It requires an object, not just God saves. It's just a, a statement, but God saves you. Now, that has some meaning for me. 
So when Jesus' name is put on you in holy baptism, you have his promise. Not just that Jesus saves, but that he saves you. That's the good news of our text. Jesus is circumcised for you so that you have a joyous and a happy new year in the holy name of Jesus. Amen. The peace of God keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.